0: We're in uh, Matthew. I'm going to read the first verse of chapter 5, and then I'm going to jump to the end of chapter 7. So I'm going go to go chapter 5, verse 1, and then I'm going to read chapter 7, 24 to 29. Did I, sorry, did I as well, just if you're new, I'm Tim, I'm the vicar here. <laughs> So I just, I'm conscious of a lot of people, and I thought, don't forget to say who you are, and then I think I forgot to do that. Did I forget to do that? Um, <laughs> I'm at that age when I forget what I... Yeah, I know. No, I, it really is. It's just, I... it's sort of early senility. It's settling in quick. What chapter? No, no, that was... <laughs> chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he taught them chapters, the contents of chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7, uh, which we have recorded here, and we know as a Sermon on the Mount. And he concludes verse 24, chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash when Jesus had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law Father, we pray that you would teach us now with the authority that the Spirit brings, impress on our hearts and minds, marinate the whole of our lives with a love for your word that brings life. Teach us, challenge us, Lord, shape us up. We declare to you now as we feed on your word, we want to live lives that make you look good. We want to live lives that glorify your name. We want to live lives built on rock and solid foundation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, We were were totally lost. We had no idea where we were. Well, we, we did. We knew we were on top of a mountain called Great Gable in the Lake Districts. We, being Joe, my wife, and I, we were there last week. It had been a beautiful day in the lakes the day before, but not a cloud in the sky, absolutely fantastic. We set out in the valleys. You could see, we could see the sort of cloud, cloud cover, and we set off climbed climb Great Gable. It's um, sort of opposite Scarfell uh, Pike, the tallest mountain in England, and it's about itself. It's about just under 900 metres above sea level. So by the time we got to the top, we were in quite a thick cloud. All around, the equivalent. If we'd stood in the middle of the church, we would have just been about being able to see the four walls, and, that, and that's it. And uh, when you're in that, that sort of thick mist and cloud, it's quite disorienting. You, you kind of you can you think about, am I? You kind of forget where you've come from and where you're going. You kind of lose your bearings. And it's, it's quite freaky because um, you, were, we were amazed how many other people were on the mountain at that time, given, given the conditions. And you can hear these voices, but you can't see anyone. And you sort of hear them coming. You think, oh, I think there's someone over there. There's oh, someone coming. And then, and then this sort of this figure kind of emerges out of the gloom, and then they sort of walk by the ghost past you. How like, do? And on they go. Hi. Right, all right. And we, we, I say we were lost. We weren't because uh, I had a map and a compass and fortunately I've sort of been trained in how to, to use them. So I knew when we got to the top, I knew we were at the top, and so I could take a bearing off. I had one of those um, Michael McIntyre uh, experiences, have you seen that thing about directions, asking directions? When, you know, you, you take time to explain, someone asks you for directions, you take time to explain and then they go and they completely complete this, this family came up and um, they didn't have a map or compass and we said, do you know how to get down? It's like sort of, you know, where's the exit? And, uh, and I, I, sort of, uh, I sort of, I just got my confidence. Sort of, okay. Well, we are just, you know, on a grid, grid to mag. Ad, 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 okay. Uh, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure. Just, I think you want to head in that direction. And I promise you, the dad, it's kind of a little bit with his wife and kids. And the dad said, "Yeah, thanks, mate." And it... <laughs> see you. Actually, we did see them later on. But uh, we, <laughs> well, there was, it was in doubt for a while. I mean because uh, I was pretty sure you want to go in that direction. Uh, I, w- I was walking on a barren fairly confident in my map reading skills, and yet, I-, I confess, there were moments when you thought, is this the right way? Because it's, it's, it's just a sort of scree, stony, rocky um, top on Great Gable, and so there's no discernible path right on the top. Is, is this the right way off? And I knew from the map there's, there's kind of cliffs and sharp drops around. Is this, are we going the right way? Ever, ever feel that in life sometimes? Um, trying to live for Jesus. Am I, am I going in the right direction? Is this, kind of, is this leading to, to safety? Is this leading to home? And just when Joe and I were beginning to wonder, there looming out of the mist as we walk towards it, a pile of stones... Unfortunately, uh, it's a tradition in, in this country, not so much in others, certainly not in Scotland, they're kind of frowned upon, but in this country, generations of mountaineers have taken rocks or stones or whatever and built a little pile of stones on the path so that if the path is indeterminate and the, and the weather's down and you, you, you know, the clag's down, you can't quite see. You can see a pile of stones. They're known as cairns. And the cairn is, yeah, you're on the right path. You're, you're the walking on a bearing, all the stuff. Yeah, it adds up. You're going the right way. And you, you keep going. Just when you're beginning to wonder, oh, um, I? Have I lost my bearings a bit? Am I slightly off track? There's another can, and another can, and another can. And eventually you come down below cloud level, and eventually the the vista starts to open up. You, you can see where you are, but you needed the cans to guide you. Now we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, this term in. Uh, These two chapters, 5, 6, 7, of Matthew's Gospel. But I want, in in coming in to focus on Matthew 5, 6, 7, I want to just give you a little bit of an overview of Matthew's Gospel. Because he offers five cairns in his Gospel to navigate us to Jesus. To show us what, uh, and to assure us that we're on the right track when it comes to living our lives for and with Jesus. And one of those cairns, the first cairn, actually, was in the reading. Did you spot it? Neither did I. (laughs) It's in verse 28, chapter 7. Any clearer? Nope, me neither. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. When Jesus had finished saying these things, Matthew's put a cairn in his gospel. And there are four others where in the Greek, in the English translation, they're all slightly different. But in the Greek, it's exactly the same phrase. When, in, uh, when Jesus had finished saying these things. When Jesus had finished teaching these parables. Oh, sorry, when Jesus has finished with these instructions. But in the original, it's all the same thing. And Matthew has divided up his gospel into five discernible chunks. And at the end of each chunk, just when you're beginning to work, am I getting a bit lost? Where are we now? There's a can when Jesus had finished saying these things. And the cairns, I tell you, if you've taken notes or just for interest, there's this one here at the end of chapter seven, there's one at the start of chapter 11, there's one at the end of chapter 13, the end of chapter 19, the end of chapter 26. And basically, Jesus, in Matthew's gospel, does a chunk of teaching and when Jesus had finished saying these things, then he rolls it out in action. Teaching, doing. Teaching, doing. Five sections in Matthew's Gospel. So just, if you, if you want to sort of just try that out, uh, f- chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' words. When he finished saying these things, the crowd amazed. Look at chapter, just look at the, the bold headings, you don't need to read it. Jesus heals a man with leprosy, the faith of the centurion. Je- Jesus heals many. Jesus calms a storm. Jesus restores two demons. Oh no, action, rolling out the kingdom, teach it, doing what he's been teaching. That's chapters 8 and 9. Chapter 10, he commissions the 12, and they go out and do what he's been teaching. Proclamation, demonstration. Then again, proclamation when Jesus has finished saying these things, demonstration. Then more, proclamation when Jesus has finished saying these things, can, can, can. Ah, I see what Matthew is trying to do. Matthew of the four gospel writers is writing to a largely Jewish audience and they will have been brought up on Moses. Moses who went up the mountain. Ah, Interesting, there's a resonance. Jesus teaching on the mountain. Moses goes to the mountain. Ah, on the mountain he receives from God the ten we, we call them ten commandments. Actually in the Hebrew it's ten words. God speaking to Moses and he gives him the law. He reveals more and more. the the Jews, the people of God in Old Testament times, people of Israel, they knew them as the books of the law, or the Torah, or the Pentateuch, five, the five books of the law that were given to Moses so that he could impart them to the people. You see what Matthew's doing in, with these cans, with these way markers, he's saying, you guys, you've had in Moses, you've had for centuries, you've had, the law, you've had God's heart, you know, law, it's, it's God's desire, God's heart. Actually, it's God's expression. Yeah, hey, guys, if you live like this, if, if this is your attitude, if these are your priorities, if this is your parameter, you will reflect and represent me on earth. You'll be a light to the Gentiles. This is how to live. It's a gift. And over the centuries, people have said, you know, they've kind of debated and And uh, it's been a good thing. I I wonder what God meant when he said this. And if we juxtapose this law with that law. Lots of debate and discussion. Lots of stroking of beard and deep thought. All all of it good. And Matthew's saying, enough of this now. (laughs) Jesus, follow these cairns. Listen to when Jesus had finished saying these things. Watch what he did then and follow. Listen and do. And you will discover that Jesus is greater than Moses. You will discover life like you've never known before. You will live life like you've never known before as you take in his words and you live out his life. And Jesus is is teaching in chapters 5, 6, 7 on the hillside. I bet you can feel the sort of vibe. You can begin, ooh, people are getting a bit on un- what Jesus greater right than Moses was a good guy. Chapter 5 verse 17, do not think I've come to abolish the law. I'm not not abolishing it. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to, to, to color it in. I've come to give it an extra dimension. I've come so that it lives in you and you live in it. You embody it so that you hear my words and you live my life. And he sums up this first section of teaching. As we come to this first cairn, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he finished with this illustration that we had read earlier, chapter seven, verse 24. I wonder what you made of it. Can kind of hear Jesus is summing up what it would be for his followers who listen to his words. What will their life be characterized by? And I wonder what you noticed as we, as we read through. I'll give you just a moment actually to flick through. You can skim it through again. See what is it that you notice Jesus is saying? What are the similarities or the consistencies? Where are the differentiators in this little illustration of the builders? When Jesus has finished saying these things, do you notice that everyone here hears these words of mine? Everyone hears these words of mine, verse 24, everyone who hears these words, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine. They, they're differentiated in other ways, we'll come onto that in a minute, but everyone hears Jesus' words. Therefore, I think in this coming term, that will apply to you and to me as we sit under God's word. We will hear Jesus' words, every one of us. And the question is, what will we do with what we hear? Do you notice too that everyone builds a house? Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house, verse 26. Everyone who hears his words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house. So Everyone hears Jesus' words, and everyone is building a house. Of course, it's a a metaphor, unless they were actually a house builder, in which case they may well have been building a house, but basically it's metaphorical for a life. We're all of us constructing a a life. What what is a house? It's it's a construction above the surface. It's a visible thing. Other people can see it. What are our lives? Well, on on one level, they're, they're who we are in relation to others, our housemates, husbands, wives, families, neighbours, our uh, workmates, colleagues, clients. They, they, we, we build day by day. How do we build? What are the bricks and mortar? It's the choices that we make. How will we respond to that criticism? How will we reach out to that person on the margins, how will I apportion my time, or my money, my energies, how will I lean into my work and career path, all those are daily choices that we make, either consciously or subconsciously, and they build the fabric of our lives, and everyone is building a life, you're building a life. I'm building a life. Final thing in this illustration that is common to all, and note this, it's when the rain comes down, it's when the streams rise, it's when the wind blows, every single house, doesn't matter who's building it, every single house will experience a storm. And I think we can take that in, in, on, on two levels, We could take the storms and the battering that we, from time to time, will face in this life. As we build our lives, we will come against uh, either proactive opposition or probably more likely just benign the stuff of life. We're we're, we're living the life of God in a world in bondage to decay. There's going to be tension and, and, and discord that won't always go smoothly. There'll be a bit of rain. There'll be a little bit of flooding. There'll be winds but even if we sail through life serenely we will all of us face the ultimate storm when we stand face to face with Jesus Christ, our creator and our judge and he will say, what have you done with the building that I gave you? he will ultimately say, do we know each other? do I know you? do you know me? What have you built your life on? As we look at our lives, the question is, what's the foundation? Because Jesus teaches here, and this is teaching before we go out and live it and do it, Jesus teaches that the wise are those who listen to God's teaching in Jesus and put it into practice. They are the ones, and it's only then that we discover who are the wise and the foolish. Everyone builds. Everyone hears Jesus' words. Everyone experiences storms. And the only time we realize who's been wise and who's been foolish is when the storms hit and we see what happens to the house. And then we work it out. Oh, wise people... Building on rock are those who hear Jesus' words and put them into practice. Word and deed. And the foolish are those who hear God's word and build a lovely house. I've got no reason to suspect that, that foolish people have built a beautiful house, beautifully designed, nicely laid out, beautifully furnished, lovely painting, on sand. It, it's so vulnerable, it's so fragile, beautiful one minute. Boom. It, 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 it's a horrible, horrible tragedy in, in Umbria, in Italy, these last two weeks. But you see the horrific, They're like a whole town, and the buildings just completely erased. They, they, they weren't built to withstand the shaking. It. it turned out that the foundations were not solid enough. What happens? doesn't matter how beautiful the house was. Smashed, tragically, lives lost, awful. I don't, I don't want to use that as a, just an easy illustration. It's a horrible thing. But it, it is an illustration of just how serious this is, Jesus' teaching. Just as an aside, Matthew, it's quite interesting. He, um, rock and sand, what's permanent, what's not? What are we building our lives on? Because later on, he, uh, Jesus is with his disciples. Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you've seen it. Peter says, don't don't get too above yourself because this wasn't revealed by flesh and blood. This is by my father in heaven. This is supernatural revelation. You have seen who I am. You've seen through the kind of physical facade. There's a rabbi before you, you. You've seen. And Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. I know in this country, and even just in the last 28, 24 48 hours, the church of England in this country, oh my goodness, all the wrong things in the news and all the sort of mess and muddle squabbling. It's not great press. But worldwide, the story is there are more Christians believing followers of Jesus Christ in the world today than there have ever been. It's, it's approximately two billion of whatever denomination around the world. That's more than there's ever been. That's nearly a third of the world's population. I, one guy, a fisherman, sees you, you're the rock. And on that rock, two millennia later, two billion followers of Jesus Christ growing his church. Interesting, at the same time, the backdrop... In this context here, in Matthew's Gospel, Herod is commissioning the rebuilding of the temple. It's taken decades. Uh, And even today, if you go to Jerusalem, you can see what they call the Temple Mount. It's the foundation of the temple. Blocks of stone that are enormous. I mean, like they're getting on for sort of, I don't know, about a tenth of the volume of this building. Massive blocks of stone. Boom. Great foundation. Rock. And this huge, ornate temple to the glory of God. And AD 70, if you're not up on your history, you can Google it later and see what happened to the temple. Smashed, as predicted. It it did not stand. It does not stand. What you see there today is not what was there then. All you can see is the rock foundation. The irony of it. One flimsy little fisherman's testimony. Rock, Jesus says, I'll build on that. One massive great temple mound, flattened A.D. 70. So the question is, what are we building our lives on? Where is the rock in our lives? Where is there the potential of sand in the foundation? Where are the weaknesses in the lives that we live? Couple of books I want to recommend. Uh, these could be you could kind of read these chapter at a time in the in the life groups maybe, and uh, and uh, chew the fat over them. Uh, I love I love books where the title goes. Yeah, that you know it, that I want to I want to read that book. James Brian Smith, The Good and Beautiful Life. Subtitle: Putting on the Character of Christ. Do, is there anyone here who doesn't want to be said of them? They lived a good and beautiful life. I, 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 would, I would just be honest, I'd quite like someone to say to me, if they were at the funeral, i say, oh yeah, Tim Sturwell, uh he's dead now, but w- when, he, when he was alive, he lived a good and beautiful life. I, I covered that. I'd like, I'd like that. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm aiming for, a good and beautiful life. The, this book based on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, John Ortberg, the life you've always wanted. I've just said, that's the life I want. This is the life I want. I want a good and beautiful life. So I read these two books and I'm getting there. I recommend them, they're very readable, they're just very accessible, uh, and they're a good read to accompany this series. And we'll track what Jesus says about building our lives on rock. He'll see, you can see from the kind of headings in the NIV, and we'll basically sort of follow them. He, He just talks about all these different areas where maybe the foundations are a bit sandy. And he wants to get to the foundations because it will manifest itself in the house. He wants to go underground, the sort of unseen, because it will affect that which we see, the house. So he talks about um, anger. I mean, it's in the heading, I think it's about murder. But actually, he's really talking about the heart. It's a good question, isn't it? What's going on when we get angry? Why do we get angry? We're just such lovely, nice, benign people. And then you put us behind the wheel of a car on a road. Ah, oh, what's going on there? Someone cuts you up. Or well, they're driving three miles an hour slower than you'd like them to. <coughs> what's happening there? And it's interesting, uh, as we unpack this, some of these books are helpful for some of the commentaries too. You know, these, the, the house is only the sort of secondary expression of what's really important, the foundation. A- anger, as Jesus begins to unpack it, actually it plays into a, a deeper thing of fear. We're fearful. And it manifests itself, it explodes out. We don't, we don't go around saying, oh, I'm really fearful, but actually that, that's the manifestation very often of fear. Or, he talks about oath-taking. Oath-taking, relevant, 21st century. Well, actually, he's talking about truth. And the question is, that I ask myself, and I shock myself when I ask it of myself, is why do I lie so much? Why do I tell so many lies? Why, Why do I not tell the truth? Yeah, I'll commit to that. Yes, I'm coming. I'll be there, dot, dot, dot. When I kind of know I won't be. Click, maybe. AKA, nah. No, you look beautiful in that dress. <laughs> What's going on? Why, why am I why am I not why do I bend the truth I had Radio 4 the other day what was it oh it was the whole American Swimmers Olympic thing did you, did you hear that really interesting out and out lie oh God bless we've all done that I'm, I'm fessing up. but it was a lie we talked about fibbing not quite didn't quite express myself in the way I hoped I would what <laughs> why do we lie about lying what's going on there See, the house, the house, but the foundation's sandy, crumbly. I feel an element of insecurity, and therefore I need to kind of present and purport and posture, because I'm not quite sure of myself, so I distort. Why do I do that? Or Lust? He has stuff to say about lust. I wonder what's behind there. Extraordinary power is there in objectifying and taking out of a relational context, can control, is there stuff going on behind lust? So the house, we see the house, in anger and truth, and, but Jesus wants us to look at the foundations because he wants, he wants the house to be built on rock. He wants you to hear, he wants me, to hear his words and then to put into practice what we hear. To to set in our lives disciplines, patterns, to be intentional. Because very often it's not about about this, it's about that. And this term, the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about seeing through this, the, the life we live, the life we project, to get to the roots, to the foundations. It's a, to kind of stave off this old age. I, I, every now and then I go to the gym, and I, I kind of need, I need a class or something like I can't kind of motivate myself on, on my own. And uh, the, there's a gym instructor. I do some kind of uh, body pump or kettlebells or that kind of thing. And um, so that you have to, like... Um, three sets of 15, I don't know, sort of do, do all this thing with the, with the kettlebells. And the first set is quite, that's, yeah, I can do that. And the second set, phew, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. It's the, thir- it's the last five of the third set. Flipping egg. And that, she says, if it doesn't challenge you, she's got these mantras. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you she's right, I always want to cop out. I do the first set, yeah, and the second set, yeah. And I do to ten of the third, and then I think, can she see me? i just put it down. <laughs> 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 if it doesn't challenge you, well, that's the five that counts. That's the five that The other thing she says, you see, because you go to the gym, and you think it's all about your body. It's about exercising your body. And she says this, so your body can do that. Your body can do this. It's your mind. Yeah. She's right. It's it's not the outer thing. We think gym is all about body. It isn't. Gym is about your attitude, about your goals, about your measure of conviction. It's a a mental thing as much as it's... Physicists just worked out through the body. Same with the Sermon on the Mount. It's a kind of workout. And the body will be the ultimate revelation of the work that we put in. Or back to the original metaphor, the, the, the security of the house will be in direct proportion to the strength and solidity of the foundation. Possessions, worry. Jesus nails them. (laughs) These are all the things eroding away at our lives. How can we live the life we've always wanted? I don't want to worry about stuff. I don't want to be possessive. I don't want to be controlling. I don't want to be lustful. I don't want to get angry. I want to live the good and beautiful life. Teach me how. So this sermon series, that's what, that's I'm basically, really what I'm doing this evening is, is teeing up. Um, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about our vision and values. We're going to have the all in, which will be great. September's a bit of a sort of let's meet and greet and gather and work out who we are. And then October, we will really set sail. October, November into Christmas. Getting into the meat of this teaching. Hearing Jesus' words. And putting them into practice, being wise people, houses on rock. Let me. Can I leave you with with this? The, the kind of because I can hear. We mentioned Jay John. I remember Jay John once um, talking about his frustration when preachers say, "You know, this is how you should live. This is how you should live. This is how you should live." And and he always he was so frustrated when the preachers not say, "Yeah, but how?" And he, he wrote in his notes, Y-B-H, Y-B-H, YBH all the time. And someone else saw his notes and said, what does Y-B-H mean? And he said, every time a preacher says, you know, don't worry, yes, but how? <laughs> don't lust, yes, but how? <laughs> That's not a bad J. John impression, by the way. If you... <laughs> but in order to validate it, you'll need to come on the 27th of St. Paul's and you'll see. Yes, but how? Yes, yes, I want, yes, yes, I don't want to lust. Yes, I want to be, uh, I don't want to be, I want to be free from worry. Yes, I want to be calm. Yes, 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 but how? And I I know I've said this before and it's actually, it comes straight out of this Auckburg book, which I found really helpful. Uh, He has a whole chapter in there. Train, don't try. Train, don't try. And alongside the, the words here, what I'd love to encourage again in our small groups and accountability groups, our triplets, the men's stuff, the women's stuff, is that we train to put this into practice. Don't try. Listen, if you ask me to to go and you know, run like Mo Farah, the sort of 5,000 or 10,000, it doesn't matter how, if you told me to do that tomorrow, it doesn't matter how hard I try, I, I just couldn't do it in anything like a decent time. I wobble around. But if you set me a decent time, so I'd like you to run the 5K in... Well, not most time, but you know, in a decent time. And you give me a, if I trained, if I trained every day with that goal in mind, I could do it. I can't play the piano very well, so if you told me even just to play Happy Birthday, I can't, I can't play. But if I trained, doesn't matter how hard I try to play. But if I trained to play, c- come back in two months' time, I'll play you Happy Birthday. Just day by day, just practicing the chords, or practicing the scales, train. Don't try. Don't try not to lust. Don't try not to worry. Don't try not to be possessive. You'll set these goals and you'll fall. It'll just reveal the sand. But you train. You train each day. Disciplines, practice, accountability, being honest and open with one another, sharing life, allowing a scripture to marinate your body and your life and your heart and your mind so that you find you are standing on training to live like Jesus through hearing his words and putting them into practice. Final thing. Uh, We we want to take this seriously here, this term. One of the things I I kind of want to do, I I think Pat's in on this as well, any others we get to speak, is um, afterwards we have uh, kind of prayer time, we have tea, coffee and stuff, Some head on to the pub for further conversation, chat, fellowship, all good. And then when I'm speaking... I'm really happy just to dip back in here, and we're going to call it Digging Deeper. And I'll just be available. If you want to ask anything, shoot the breeze, challenge. You just, if you just want to, what is, come on, what does that actually mean? Because I'm kind of presenting this stuff, but I've done a little bit of thinking, praying around it. I'm not presenting everything I've thought about. Uh, you've got stuff. You've got things you want to question. Let's, let's wrestle this out. Digging deeper. Uh, wrestling with the word of God. So we, we take it seriously here. Jesus' words uh, into our lives. Uh, just one other thing is um, accountability groups. We, it's one of our goals as a staff team and as a church to, to kind of grow bigger by growing smaller. I mean bigger in the sense of our stature and status, bigger in terms of the rock that we, and the surety and the confidence that comes from being rooted on rock. And that comes from being accountable to one another in in groups of two or three probably max four and one of the ways in which we would love to I mean just if you just get together with people you know or sometimes it's easier actually with people you don't know so well and and that is the basis for forming that friendship as you get to know one another but what we've done is uh, and a number of you will be aware of this but if you're new or just joining uh, we have asked you to give us your postcode where you work uh, and we'd love it. If you want to be a part of this, let us know your postcode. Uh, and we, we're kind of mapping that through our, our database system so that you can see who works within 10 yards of you. You had no idea. You maybe go in, and come out at different times. You had no idea. But there's actually maybe three or four, and you all, you all work within 500 yards. So it'd be quite easy to meet up at a lunchtime. I know life's busy. I know it's stressful and so on. So I'm trying to meet in the morning or the evening. Oh, yeah. But during the day, if you were all within 50 yards of each other, then once a month could you get together for a lunch or a coffee and you just have two or three agreed sets of questions I'll tell you a great question what's the question that you don't want me to ask you try it if you're going to be honest if you're going to be real what's the question you don't want me to ask you and then have the courage to begin to answer it you will grow You will grow in your fellowship with one another and you will grow because God's word will begin to work his way in via the spirit and sand will turn to rock and your lives will be built on strong stuff. And when the storms come and when the wind beats your house will not fall down. Let's stand together.